What lengths would you go to to eat a hot dog? We take a look at a bizarre phenomenon that seems to happen to people with severe dementia right before they die. And then one day a young man was walking through the forest when he saw a deer hiding behind a tree. Or was it? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. Uh, hopefully, hopefully not eating hot dogs. First off, let's give a shout out to one of our legacy Patreons coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Let's give it up for Mikhail Malone. Everyone give a round of applause to Mikhail walking into Dead Rabbit Command. Really, really appreciate your continued support with Dead Rabbit Radio. You guys can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Yesterday's Patreon supporter, Greg, I was looking over an email he sent me earlier, back when he first joined the Patreon. He found out about this show because of a flyer I put up in Sacramento. I put up a flyer at a local grocery store when I was visiting a couple years ago, and he found it. So that is a great way to attract new listeners. I have flyers you can print out in the show notes. Just tell people about the show. Talk about it online. If you're embarrassed, if you don't want to talk about it in person, talk about it on wherever. Just help get the word out about the show. You have no idea how much that helps the show out. Mikhail, I'm going to go ahead and toss you a shovel and some coal. Let's hop aboard the Carpenter Caboose. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are traveling all the way out to India. Carpenter Caboose is going across the ocean, apparently. It also, I don't know, has a water track. Mikhail, go ahead and stop this Carpenter Caboose once we get to India, once we've all drowned as you try driving it underwater. We're in Goa, India. It's actually the smallest state in the country of India. That's not, that's not why I'm covering it. That's not the paranormal angle. The population of Goa is mostly Hindu. There's a lot of vegetarians, mostly vegetarians as well. And for some reason, these vegetarians living in this tiny little state of Goa, India, have a bunch of pigs. And I couldn't figure out why they would have pigs if you're not eating them. Like, are they good for, like, defense? Like, do they chase off other animals? I don't think so. I think they're actually delicious treats for other animals. You know, goats can help you mow the lawn. Goats, nom, 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 eat all the grass, and then you can milk the goats. You can't milk a pig. Or can you? I wonder if anyone's ever tried drinking pig milk. But don't, 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 don't do it. But what good is a pig for if you're not going to eat it? I figured you'd probably just be better off without it. And they have, But they do have these pigs around. And pigs most famously have voracious appetites. I saw this documentary once about this guy named Porky Pig. He ate everything. Pigs eat all the time. So what is the point of having pigs around if you're not going to eat them? Well, in the state of Goao, people started thinking, wait a second, we have these pigs that love to eat stuff, and we have a poop. We, we have poop. Poop comes out of our bodies, and where are we going to put it? Like, sure, we could build, like, a sewage system, but there's not a ton of people living out here at this time, so why don't we peanut butter and jelly this thing? Let's Reese's peanut butter cups, our poop, and pigs. So they actually built this sewage system. It's actually really ingenious. It's called the pig toilet. It's a giant hole like an outhouse. So you go out and you go... I guess I didn't have to make the sound effect. You're like, damn it, Jason. 
I'm wearing headphones. I'm wearing headphones, you jerk. I'm going to put that, I'm going to make that sound effect all surround sound. I'm going to make it all echoey. It'll make it sound like you're pooping in a cathedral. They poop in this hole, and then the hole has a trough attached. <laughs> this is a real invention. They have this trough attached to it. So they poop in this hole, and then your poop goes into it, and then goes down the trough, and then there's pigs there, and they eat your poop. It's a win-win, really. I mean, the pig, <laughs> the pigs get a delicious meal. <laughs> You're like, dang it, Jason. I didn't eat hot dogs because you said not to, so I made a delicious bowl of stew. Damn <laughs> You're like, I can't eat stew or hot dogs. These pigs are eating the poop. It's a win-win because the pigs get to eat all sorts of spices and delightful tastes. And the humans don't have to worry about their feces. So it works out for both things. But remember this state of India, mostly Hindus, they're vegetarians, so they're not worried about it. What has happened? What has happened is that people have started moving into this area who aren't vegetarians. And so for decades, these pig toilets were totally fine. But then you'd be sitting there. People would be like using the toilet. And then they'd be like, that's weird. It's, it's backed up. Why is my all natural toilet backed up? And they go out there. There's less pigs. They're like, what? There used to be like five pigs in here. And now there's only like three. So the poop's not getting eaten as quickly. And then the other person would be like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm Johnson. I'm I'm Harry Johnson. We just moved in like a couple days ago. <laughs> I saw this, though. This is true. Now, there wasn't a guy named Harry Johnson. This example isn't true. But what was happening was people, that's a horrible name, Harry Johnson. People were coming in from around the country who weren't vegetarians who saw all these pigs that no one was slaughtering. And they began killing them and eating them. And these pigs' primary diet was human poop. And the people who lived there was like, don't do that. Please don't do that. First off, that's our toilet. You're eating our toilet. We need these. This is our sewage system. People didn't care. It was delicious free pork. You have all the hot dogs and pork loins and everything that you wanted. These big plump pigs but they were fed off of human poop now people were saying this is super unsanitary quit eating the poop pigs and it was unsanitary it's just disgusting it's just gross too it's not just unsanitary nowadays underground plumbing is far more common in the state of goa it's not such a big issue but there are still pig toilets there so if you ever find yourself in the state of goa and you see some big old fat pig walking down the street and it's just begging to be eaten don't eat it because that pig is probably full of human feces. Also, it's probably not a good idea just to, it's probably not a good idea just to eat pigs that are wandering through town. I'm sure it belongs to someone. Whether or not it's fed off of poop, I don't think you should just walk I don't think you should walk around town with a fork, a knife and a bib just chasing after pigs. It will end badly for you no matter what part of the world you're in. Mikhail, let's go ahead and leave behind India. Let's call in the hair hang glider. Let's hop onto Mikhail's back, and he's going to jump off the tallest cliff in India. I'm sure it's some giant mountain. And we are going to glide all the way from India to a hospital in the middle of America. Now, technically, we didn't have to go all the way back to America. This happens in hospitals all over the world, but you know, home sweet home. 
we go into the hospital, we're walking around, and it, the hospitals are generally very depressing places. Sure, babies are being born, and, you know, like, broken legs are being fixed, but that's not... <laughs> good stuff does happen in hospitals, too, but for the most part, they're pretty depressing. Walking around the hospital, and we see a guy laying in bed, and he's like, Betty? Betty. Oh, Betty. Remember when we used to play hopscotch together? That was such fun times. Back in, and Herbert Hoover was still president, and we're like, oh, man. This poor guy has Alzheimer's, and he's, like, doing the jitterbug, and the, his loved ones are like, Dad, Betty's been dead for three years, and Herbert Hoover was a terrible president. He was awful, and I'm pretty sure the jitterbug wasn't invented back then. But it doesn't matter. He's still doing the jitterbug. He, he's like, and Marty McFly came back and saved the day. Not this, this before you shut it off. This segment is not me making fun of people with Alzheimer's. Okay, before you shut it off. The point of this story, it's actually really uplifting. It's funny because the hospital analogy, this you would think a story about Alzheimer's and dementia would be depressing, but not this one. There is this thing called terminal lucidity. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's something that has been observed for over a hundred years. Terminal lucidity. What it is, is you take people who have dementia, who have Alzheimer's, who have like super advanced Parkinson's where they can't feed themselves. They don't know where they're at. They just, sometimes they're completely in a vegetative state. Sometimes they're just so discombobulated. They don't know where they're at or who you are or anything like that. And that's tragic. But one day you walk into the room and they're like, Billy, hey, what's up, dude? Oh, man, you're my bro. Hey, oh, dude, this has been so crazy. I'm sitting in this bed. And did you know, poor Betty, she died like 20 years ago, and Herbert Hoover was a terrible president. And you're like, you're back. He's like, I am. I am. I feel great. I, I, I know I'm in this hospital, and I know it's the year 2021, but you look good, too. Like, yeah, it just everything's going so well. What terminal lucidity is, is your brain basically fixing itself. This has been observed over and over and over again. You'll walk in and someone who the day before couldn't feed themselves. They're eating, they're laughing, they're joking. They remember everything. They're back to who they were. The person you remember, the person that you've watched slowly fall apart for the past couple months or a couple years, is back to normal. But... As beautiful as this moment is, the name Terminal Lucidity says it all. This happens shortly before they die. But it seems like a gift, doesn't it? You're, you're, you have that person back in your life the way they were. The way they should be. Had the illness not interfered, this is the person you would be talking to. They'd be back to normal. And that seems like a gift. That seems like those final memories are good ones. It's the person you loved who's back sitting with you in their bed having this conversation. We don't know why it happens, though. The idea, because it's linked to death, the idea is as the brain is dying, as the brain is basically shutting off, it goes into a fever mode. And it actually begins to excite deadened parts of the brain begins to bring those things back to life. Some people say that you, it could be caused by fever, drying up little pockets of water in the brain where they're a little... They don't know. But they've seen it so many times, they know it is an actual thing. The problem is, we don't see it a lot nowadays. 
So you could easily attribute it to some old-timey medicine thing, to medical documents written by excited doctors and stuff like that. No. The reason why we don't... This is, this is going back to the sad part. The reason why we don't see it as much today... We could start seeing it tomorrow. The reason why we don't see it as much today is because our relationship with death has changed and our pharmaceutical answers to death have changed. Nowadays, when you get to that level, and I'm not judging anyone who've had loved ones and, and they've authorized the doctors to do this or doctors who have done this, but now when people get to that state when they're so close to the end of their life and they're so mentally confused, we drug them a lot. And the drugs interfere with this process. Because if you're drugged up, your brain's not good. You're not going to wake up anyways. You're not going to pop up the last day of your life and go, Johnny. <laughs> apparently, apparently super creepy. It's not going to happen. You're too drugged up. So that's why they think we don't see it today. Our pharmaceutical answer is actually preventing this. But again, it's not 100%. Like It's not saying that if your loved one wasn't drugged up, they would have popped up and returned to normal. A depressing story, but with a silver lining. You're like, Jason, there's no silver lining to that. They still die in the end. So yes, a depressing event, but a beautiful story, I think. Even though it does end with the person dying, they get to spend some final hours back the way they were. So I think that's a really, really interesting story. Mikhail, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carboner Copter. We are leaving behind... That hospital in the United States. We are headed on out to Charlottesville, Virginia. The year is 2008. We're actually walking down an old country trail with a college student named Tyler. Now, Tyler is a pseudonym that I've given this person. We don't actually know this person's real name. They've chosen to remain anonymous. But we're walking along this little country area. It's mostly woods. We're headed to a nearby liquor store to pick up some cigarettes, but we're taking a little shortcut through the neighborhood. It's basically like, I've never been to Charlottesville, but the way the, the way the story makes it sound is that there's civilization, dense wooded areas where you don't see another human for miles, and then a liquor store. So I don't know how this place is laid out. It's by Old Lynchburg Road, if you guys are familiar with the area. Old Lynchburg Road area is supposedly is pretty... Uh, tree-y. <laughs> Jason, I think, you, I think the word you're looking for is forest. The sun is going down. We're still walking along this trail with Tyler. It's a normal walk. We get to where we always get. There's a little split in the trail. And Tyler's walked this trail before, but this is the point where something's a little bit different today. All of a sudden, Tyler feels really uneasy. He starts to hear sounds of movement in the area. Huh? What? What? He's looking around from side to side. He's looking from left to right. And he sees it. He sees the source of the noise. Standing behind a tree, almost hiding behind a tree, he sees a deer. The deer's just kind of staring at Tyler. He's off the trail. He's standing underneath the tree. But still a little too close for comfort. Now normally you might be excited to see a deer in the woods. A little, little nature's little gerbils you know they're not going to do nothing to you they're just going to walk around you can pet them you're like jason i really hope you're not i really hope you're not trying to pet wild deer you know what i mean like okay they do have like the big antlers but for the most part they're not going to hurt you tyler's staring there and he's looking at this thing and he goes something's not right 
This deer did have antlers. It had a mighty rack of antlers. But he said they looked wrong. They were thick, burly antlers. He's staring there and he's looking at this deer and he realizes those are moose antlers. And as he stood in that forest and the sun's slowly setting, it's getting darker every moment, he starts to realize not only is it impossible for a deer to have moose antlers, those aren't even moose antlers. It's like a close approximation of what a moose antler would look like. And he's looking at this freak, this freak of nature, obviously, because a deer can't have antlers like this. Maybe it has some sort of disease. Maybe something's going on with it. So he starts to continue his way down the trail, and the deer begins to walk as he's walking, keeping pace with him, but still in the forest, just watching him. And following him. He starts walking a little bit faster. And this deer begins to move faster as well. Tyler, at this point, he's trying to figure out, is he being pursued? Is this thing curious? Is it just following him? What's going on? But he begins to walk even faster. And at this point, the deer is walking faster. It's keeping pace with him. So he has a unique reaction to this. I think if I was there, or if most people were there, they would continue to run. They'd break out on a run. Because whatever this thing was does seem to be pursuing him, and it doesn't seem normal. You're in the middle of the woods, you're in Charlottesville, Virginia, and this thing is moving when you move. He begins to walk even faster. The deer keeps pace with him, and then he stops. He comes to a dead stop. The deer reacts to him completely stopping by running at him in a full sprint. As this deer is running through the forest, Tyler picks up on some cues that maybe he's not just looking at a normal deer with a weird antler deformity. First off, I mean, I guess this is more than just a cue. This is an obvious thing. You're facing down something that shouldn't exist. He says, as it's running towards the forest, it was making this very, very bizarre motion. He said it was moving towards me at full speed. All of its knees were bent in the wrong way. And he said the way that it moved was like a rocking horse. It would rock back and forth on these weird deformed knees. And it would just move closer and closer and closer to him through the forest. He's watching this deer move in a way that you shouldn't be able to have any locomotion whatsoever. Tyler's like, Tyler's like, forget that. I felt bad for it when I saw the funky horns, but I don't I have no idea. I don't feel bad for this now. It's doing something that is, you can't move like that. It's breaking the laws of physics. He begins running down the trail, and this thing is fully pursuing him down the trail at this point. And he makes a turn. There's a bend in the trail. He run, He's running. He turns. He's now out of sight of the deer. And when he looks down the long stretch of trail in front of him, there is the deer standing in the middle of the trail. It has somehow cut him off. He begins to step backwards, and he actually trips over his own feet, falling to the forest floor. While he's getting himself up off the ground, he realizes, whatever this is, this is not a deer. He said that its eyes were 
facing forward. In the sense that, generally, predators have their eyes on the front of their heads, and not predators, or herbivores, things like that, have the eyes on the side of their head, so they can see predators without having to move their head a lot. He said this deer had its eyes firmly in the front of its head. This, When he saw that, it clicked in his mind, this, whatever this is, it is a predator. It was designed to hunt. He said its face was more round than a deer, and it had jowls that just hung there as this creature is staring directly at him, standing in the middle of the trail. He realizes that every single thing about this is wrong. It's not a deer. It's something trying to be a deer, but still not being able to hide its full, lethal, predatory nature. As he's getting to his feet, he sees this creature stand up on its hind legs and begin to walk towards him. He said the very idea of it standing on its hind legs to him seemed like some sort of challenge. That was the initial reaction. This thing is trying to challenge me. It's trying to show me how powerful it is. And he said from hoof to horn, it was eight feet tall. It towered over him. And as he's turning to race back down the trail to get back to safety, he starts to hear this thing chase him again, this time chasing him on just two legs. He felt that if he turned around to look at this thing, He was dead. He just ran as fast as he could. He got to that split in the trail. And then, almost immediately, he no longer heard the sounds of being pursued. Interesting story. The author went on to say that maybe it was some sort of nature spirit in the area. That his friend who lived in the area believed that there were a lot of things in the woods. Old stories he had heard that his family had passed on. About stuff that people just couldn't explain that's an interesting story it could be a nature spirit you would think it would pop up more often because this didn't seem like the most remote trail they didn't really give a lot of good description about the area itself but if it's a trail that's even traveled say once a day or once every other day what's this forest spirit doing the rest of the time i'm just reading just reading not deer monthly so it's it's curious if it's a forest spirit what would have provoked it when tyler was in the woods but let's go ahead and put our conspiracy caps on and finish the episode up like this you know urban sprawl this story took place in 2008 who knows if these woods are still even there we have urban sprawl Anyone who's lived any amount of time, they can go back to the area they grew up in and go, well, I can't believe they put all these houses up here. Look at, And what happens when we pave over this stuff where these spirits or these creatures reside? Now, you could say maybe as we're going to start putting down parking lots for Walmarts and build tract houses, maybe it'll be like a furry vengeance thing where the animals will unite under the guidance of a, a warlord spirit and they'll fight they'll fight Brendan Fraser and push him into a bunch of cement and have a skunk fart in his face. That could happen. But think about this. What if we do pave over all of this stuff, build up these McDonald's and these Arby's and these Taco Bells? We we create a burger punk society where it's fast food instead of nature. Everything is paved over. It's glistening aluminum and stucco. Where do these creatures go now? 
If it's in the forest and assumes the form of a forest creature, if it's in an urban environment, it would assume the form of the urban environment. You're walking to catch the bus one day. Steam is rising out of the manhole cover. You're just enjoying your favorite music playing through your iPod as you're standing at the bus stop. You don't notice the man behind you. You don't notice that he walks with an odd gait. You don't notice him because he seems to blend in with everything, almost some sort of bizarre camouflage. And he stands behind you at that bus stop. It's just you two. But anyone who drives past only sees one person. He's the perfect predator. Five minutes later, when the bus pulls up, there's no one at the bus stop. Bus driver doesn't think anything of it. Continues along his route. The perfect predator will blend into any environment. Wherever it's at, it will find its prey. Whether you're walking through nature, taking a shortcut through the woods, or walking up a flight of stairs late at night in an apartment complex, these creatures for millennia have hunted and consumed human flesh. It will hide, it will hunt, it will kill, it will never be caught. And no one could even consider it may be a beast from beyond explanation, a creature from stories of old that is still hunting humans to this very day. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.